One of the things that I often say to people is when when your children are adults and you're having a conversation with them and they're telling you about what their experience was like being raised by you, what do you want them to say about that? How do you want them Mm -hmm. to remember you? What are the qualities that you want to, that you want to have some sense about that they were instilled by the experiences and the lessons that you taught them? Let's reimagine mom life together. Mama House Schools is your hub for relatable support and helpful resources that help you fuel yourself alongside motherhood. Your identity is bigger than mom. And whatever your goals are, together, we're making them a reality. Hey, mamas, if you've been listening for a little bit or you know anything about the Mama Has Goals community, we actually love the fact that we get to evolve our identities and become the different and better versions of ourselves as we unpack it. And it's no secret that often this can be really sped up by motherhood because all of a sudden we have this whole new title and this whole new version of our lives that we start to question what is our identity and what does that look like? Sometimes people feel like they've lost their identity in motherhood. But today we're going to talk about our ever-evolving identities and what that does mean, especially after motherhood from a psychological level and also just what seems to be the case. We're also going to talk about having your partner by your side and communicating what it is that you need, what you're experiencing, what you can help yourself and others with and be on a team. We talk about your priorities and knowing your priorities, communicating them, taking some tangible action steps to be mindful of your emotions, your anger, how you're processing things, and also some good conversation starters for you and your life. I absolutely love this conversation with Yara Heary. And Yara is a psychologist who works exclusively with women throughout conception, pregnancy, and motherhood. She started life after birth psychology following the birth of her own first son, and that brought her on her own self-rediscovery journey. Funny how that works, right? Her experiences throughout early motherhood drew her to her support of other women as they navigated their own family of origin dynamics, the social programming of the good mother, and relationship changes with those around them. This includes Included identity shifts, role changes to find their place or balance, and authenticity as mothers. She also is the host of the Life After Birth with Yara podcast, and this is dedicated to sharing stories of women as they navigate life as moms. So grab your headphones, listen in, because we can all relate to this conversation, and I know you're going to love it. Yara, I'm so excited to talk to you. Like we were just chatting before we clicked record. It's just the mom life juggle of trying to figure out how you do all the things all the time. And I know for me, (laughs) it doesn't end, right? Mm. And for Mm -hmm. me, it also depends on what season I'm in. And I know you talk a lot about the ever evolving identities that we have as humans. And I think it's just that much stronger when motherhood comes into play. What does that look like for you? Bring us up to speed where you were at before Mm. this version and motherhood and how Mm -hmm. you've really stepped into helping women in this way. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. The evolving identities. And I feel like, and yes, it happens whether we are mothers or not. But I think that, yeah, when we become mothers, it's almost like this super speed entry into the evolution of our identity. And because it happens so quickly, many of us are really left feeling feeling like we're sideways or hanging upside down because it happens so quickly and it's and it's in such a profound way that we may not have experienced it before 
And so just really wanting to normalize that can feel so wobbly for people. And so if there's anyone listening and they're feeling like that, just knowing that's so normal and absolutely is what I experienced as well myself. So before I became a mother, and I had always wanted to be a mother, but before I became a mother, I was working as a psychologist. I was working in a group private practice. Prior to that, I had done some work in the government sector here in Australia. So I'd worked in drug and alcohol. I'd done psychiatric inpatient wards and things like that. And I really, I really enjoyed the work that I did. But when I became a mother, all of a sudden, I remember I had this like crises. <laughs> I had multiple crises. But one of them was around my work because I was like, I, the thought of going back to do what I had been doing before, I was just like, I just can't think of anything worse. I've got this yeah. baby who I want to be around all of the time and I can't think of anything worse about than going back to doing the work that I was doing. And I had to go on a bit of a soul search around that and, and figure out what that was because I've obviously committed so much of my life to developing myself as a psychologist and that and so that felt really scary and so that's one of the ways that there was an evolution happening in me obviously I still work in that space but there was an evolution in terms of what I did in that space who I saw who I worked with and there was a need for me to get really clear on why I wanted to continue do the, doing this work if I was going to do that but there was also evolution across other areas as well so my relationship was one of the biggest sort of catalysts for me working in this space at all in terms of with mothers and in the perinatal space because my I remember before having kids feeling very solid in my relationship. In hindsight, I also can see so many things that were just not quite right <laughs> that yeah. we just didn't attend to. And like many people, you can get away with that before you have kids because you've got so many options and so many opportunities for dealing with that. So you can go and hang out with your girlfriends, you can take a holiday, you can do all sorts of avoidance of dealing with the actual issues that make. And then you have a baby and all of a sudden you are reliant on one another in ways that you have never been before. And you can't just go on a holiday and you can't just go out and see your girlfriends and leave your baby. You have to, you're there. And so there's a need to look at what the issues are within a relationship once you have a baby in a very different way to before. And so that was hugely confronting for me and we were newly ma married at that time too, so we'd been married a year. So that was hugely confronting and that really was a lot of the beginning of me doing the deeper work on myself, learning about matrescence, understanding about the dynamics within our relationships that were being affected by the experiences that we've had growing up as kids and things like that. So all of that work was really brought on by the relationship difficulties that we had and I went and did some training with the Gottman Institute and that's how that began. That's how I figured out that this was the space that I wanted to work with because I started to work with parents and I started to work with couples who were in the process of like in the lead up to their birth. And it was through doing that work and speaking with mothers that I went, oh, this is what I love. This is what I love to do. And that was a lovely yeah. thing because it brought me back into okay, I know what my space is here. I'm not going to, because I often um, talk about that. I had this period where I was like, I think I'm just going to give up my registration and I'm going to start selling baby clothes. <laughs> I was just like, now I just think back to that and I think, oh, just those early um, months and even year of just being so sleep deprived and just being like, I have to do something. So this is what I'm going to do. But it was so lovely that I got to, yeah, just get back to the why and figure out why I do what I do, why I became a psychologist, why this matters to me. 
And now I'm just so incredibly passionate about the work that I do. And I love my work and I look forward to every client that I see and every group I run and all of that sort of thing. So yes, it's been a real evolution. And even now I'm seven years deep in that as well. And so I have a seven-year-old and I have a a four-year-old who's about to be five in a few weeks. And I just feel like the evolution is non-stop. It is just constant. One of the things that the space that I'm at with my work is just that it's really, it's grown so huge, like my work. And I have so many different elements of my work now. And I'm really aware of the different phase that I'm in. Even I have some girlfriends who have um, new babies at the moment and they're in that stage of being down at the beach with their babies or being at the park and yeah. meeting up together and stuff. And I just really, I had this grief almost of, oh, I remember when we used to have capacity for that. My kids were younger, <laughs> yeah. but now they're in school. So I'm, I'm just not doing that stuff anymore. And so there's a new yeah. phase for me happening at the moment as well. And part of that is, is a change in who I am and an upgrade that feels so challenging in terms of my parenting skill as well, because they're at different stages and doing different things. Yeah. It's just, it's such an, it's such a trip in some ways, like thinking yeah. about how much change happens in this time. Yeah. Mm. It's so interesting because when you talk about your friends being in the season with their newborns and out at the beach, having fun and you missing that, there's so many women in that season that are looking up to you and being like, oh my gosh, I just can't wait till my kids are in school. Mm. I'm going to have more time for me. I'm going to have more time to be able to just be more of my own stuff. And every season brings pros and cons and challenges and blessings all in different ways. And Mm. I also love that you talked about how stepping into this in this way that felt so aligned for you was from your own experiences, whether it was with Mm. your relationship with your partner or stepping into motherhood. And I would love for you to just talk a little bit about that transition a little bit more because I have a feeling it didn't happen overnight. You didn't become a mom and you were like, I know exactly what I'm meant to do and exactly how I'm supposed to make our relationship better and all of these things. It was this messy season, this messy middle Mm -hmm. of getting to the right place. So how did you take the very first step, especially when it comes to knowing that you and your partner needed support? Was Mm. he on board and helping also or were you leading the charge? And what do you recommend to the woman that's maybe I see some issues and I want to stop them before it's too late? How do they take Mm. action right away and take those baby steps? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I think all of what you're saying there is so valid and I'll definitely answer those questions. And I just wanted to say when you said it didn't just happen overnight, like that is just such an important part of the process that people need to understand. It's even making me think about, so I run a group called The Rebirth and Part of what we do in that group is in our integration weeks, people are able to talk to me directly to seek feedback and and get like hot seat coaching. And we just had the first integration week. And one of the things that I noticed is almost every single person who sent through a voice message for me is asking how do, what are the tangible steps that I could engage in to get from A to B? And one of the things that I've been saying to people is, There's a theme that I'm hearing that everybody wants to get out of their discomfort. Everybody wants to know what the answer is, what the recipe is to move from this point of distress and discomfort or of uncomfortable feeling that you have in your body when you just know it's not quite right, but you don't know which step to take and move to the point where you're on the other side of that. And I think something that I have learned in my seven years of being a mother, which I'd never learned up until that point, is that 
the process of how you deal with that discomfort is a huge part of the whole learning experience. Like it's not just about getting from A to B because what is B? Like B is constantly changing and evolving. And where I am right now, it's really interesting how you also spoke about people looking at me maybe and thinking, oh, I can't wait till my kids are in school and all that sort of thing. I was that person, right? I was totally that person. And I'm also the person that now has so much grief about the fact that her four-year-old is going to be in full-time school next year. And I'm like, I know what that means now because I've had an older child that's done that. It means that I don't get very much time with them throughout the week. And it's just like little pockets of time in the morning and right after school. And often at that point, they're tired and frazzled and all of the rest of it. So I'm not necessarily getting their best selves at that time either. So it's, I absolutely was one of those people that was like, I can't wait to get to that point. And I think what I am continuously learning, because it's not the end of anything for me, is that it's always about finding some of it. it, Some of this process is about finding the joy in the time that you're in and just being able to get comfortable with being uncomfortable, which is like people say to me, how do I do that? And I'm like, I can't answer that question for people because it's just it's your own process. It's your own experience. Yeah. And I think it really comes back to almost this gratitude. Like when you say, how Mm. do people find that joy in the moment? I know for me, it came from really being conscious of gratitude and what I'm grateful Mm. for in the moment and saying, what am I grateful for today? What am I grateful for what I currently have? Because it is so easy, especially on this podcast, we talk about Mm. women having goals, right? We're talking about Mm -hmm. where we want to go. And so often we can get so caught up in where we want to go that we're forgetting where we are is really great, too. And at one point, we probably wished for this. Mm, And really unpacking as we kicked off talking about that ever evolving identity. And I find that is such a blessing to be able to say I get to become a new version of myself constantly. And so I want new things. I'm looking for new achievements. I'm looking to grow as a new person. But with that comes reminding yourself that the old version of you would have loved the things that you currently are achieving. Absolutely. Going back to the pieces with the partner, when you have these situations that come up, whether it's goals or something with your kids, it's so much easier when you feel like you have a teammate, right? When you don't feel like you have to do it alone. (laughs) Absolutely. Like everybody yeah. wants a teammate. So if someone doesn't feel like they have a teammate, mm-hmm. what are some ways that they can just be a better teammate themselves to start? Mm-hmm. Rather than talking about how that person could be a better teammate, what are some mm-hmm. ways that we could be better teammates to start? Yeah. It's interesting you raise that because I think for me, some also the other thing is that sometimes you can be in a partnership, right? And you can raise the things that you are less happy about, the things that you want to improve, and maybe your partner isn't willing to come along, like in terms of maybe they're not willing to go to therapy and things like that. So I think that it is always important to consider what can we do for ourselves. And my biggest thing is I think if if you're not quite at the point to go to therapy or maybe you're not doing the self-help books or anything like that, The first thing that we can start to do is to become really conscious about our own processes and about what it is that we're doing and what we're bringing into the relationship. So the things that bother you in the relationship, spend time reflecting on that and journaling on that. Spend time connecting to how it makes you feel in your body and what shows up on a somatic level. Like the more insight you can get for about what is happening for you and how you're 
receiving things from your partner, how you're making sense of the of what is going on between you and your partner, the more information you have as well to go, is there something that I can be doing and what might those things be that could improve this particular situation in my relationship? But also like I've been having a lot of these kinds of conversations at the moment because I've got lots of people that um, contact me on social media and I had an episode recently in my own podcast where we talked about what do we do when we have partners that don't actually want to do the work, who don't want to change, yeah. who are unwilling. And my answer in that is always focus on yourself and go and do therapy if that's what you need to do to get clarity around what it is that you want to do with the relationship. So yeah. just because a partner doesn't want to go to therapy themselves, it's, that's not the end of the road in any way. It's I always am like in the day-to-day of that relationship if things are not going well we're likely to feel like our resources are being taken up by thinking about the relationship and also by the stress response that relationship is causing for us and it can influence our parenting as well as just our general well-being and I find that when me and my husband are struggling in our relationship or we've got points of conflict that during that time, I, I feel like my capacity as a mother is really compromised as well. And so yeah. that when that starts to happen, when I start to get more snappy with the people around me or with my children, or I'm less tolerant about behaviors that otherwise I could manage, it's always a really good um, indicator for me that, okay, I need to spend some time feeling what I'm feeling rather than just getting on with life. And maybe I need to return to therapy or bring things to therapy because I'm Personally, I'm often in therapy anyway because I think it's such an incredible preventative um, tool. So I really utilize that. And so that's one of the things that I do. I have my own therapist that I can talk to so that I'm having an opportunity for someone to just hear me and so that I can speak and I can hear my own voice and I can hear what comes out of my mouth and I can reflect and do that sort of process. So my big thing is always, what is it that you can do for yourself to get clarity around what is happening in that relationship? And also, are we making sure that we are meeting our own needs? So that's the other big thing. And I think that Esther Perel often talks about one of the issues in sort of modern relationships being that we often look to our partner to fulfill every need that we have. And I think Mm -hmm. that becomes a whole other level of challenge when we have young children in particular um, because everyone's capacity now is lowered because there is more need in the family. And so I think it's really important for us to think about what are our needs and if they aren't getting met there, is it possible that they can be met through someone else? Do we need to call in friends or do we need to take more responsibility and go and meet some of those needs outside in terms of are we getting exercise? Do we need somatic work? Do we need to be, and when I say massage, I actually really don't mean this because I sometimes cringe. I don't mean this. It's body work. I'm talking about it as yeah. body work and I'm talking about that from on a somatic level as well as, of course, it can be really luxurious and, re- and relaxing, but I really mean it like massage is a beautiful way of release for us if we're holding a lot of emotions. And if we go and meet those needs elsewhere and we make sure that we are taking care of ourselves, and I often think about it from a reparenting perspective too, if I am making sure that I can recognize the needs that I have emotional and, and otherwise, and I can be the mother that I need to make sure that those things are getting met, then it means I'm in such a better capacity to be in relationship with other people. Does that make sense? Like I'm not necessarily yeah. showing up from a place of depletion. I'm showing up like I am, I, I have the inner child, I have all these parts and I also have my 
integrated self, my my healthy adult, if people want to think about it like that is taking care of my needs and then I can show up in my full self when I come to relationship. So that's something I think really important to consider as well. And it's like the sayings, they say, put your own oxygen mask on first or you can't pour from an empty cup, right? Mm -hmm. You truly have to be able to allow yourself to figure out what you need. And often I hear people say, it's not that I don't want to ask for help. I don't even know where I need help. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really the same thing. It's really allowing yourself to have this moment of clarity or quiet, whether it's with a therapist or through body work Mm -hmm. or through you just really getting clear on what you need because Mm -hmm. otherwise that partner can't show up for you in the way you want or your kids aren't going to be able to respond in a way that you're going to be receptive of just the love. You're going to only see the difficult parts of motherhood. So you really need to get clear on what that looks like. And outside of just being able to balance your emotions and where you're at, this also shows up with your values and priorities, right? And we've been talking about identities changing, seasons of motherhood, and that totally affects our values and our priorities. How Mm -hmm. are some ways that you see women shift their values and priorities, whether it's stepping into motherhood or at the different seasons? And how does a mom even get clear on what those are? Not as a family per se. We talk a lot about family values and I have a couple episodes on that. But as an individual, how do you help guide a woman to figure out what her values are? Yeah. And I think it's such a, an important thing. And I think that understanding at least the basic sense of what our values are is so important because it helps to guide all of our behavior. It helps to guide yeah. the steps we take in life. And I think that what can be really challenging about values work as well is that sometimes the values that we believe that we hold aren't actually our own values. They're mm-hmm. the values that we are conditioned to believe that we need to hold as a result of the culture that we've been raised in. And so that's a really big part of the work that I do one-on-one, but also in my group program as well that I do, where I help women get a sense of what is it that you would be doing in your life or what would give you meaning, what would bring you joy that isn't something like that would bring you that joy, whether or not people were watching. So if people were watching, if people weren't watching, if you didn't have to worry about judgment. I also often ask people to think about What were some times in your mothering, but also before you were a mother, that really brought you just a deep sense of joy? And and it's not even just joy. It's almost like contentment, like what experiences or what kinds of behaviors or what kind of pursuits brought that for you? And then we get to exploring about that in terms of, okay, these may be the things that that your values are grounded in, right? That th- this is the stuff you were acting in alignment with your values. That is why you felt that way. And I think that you're right. When we do become mothers, our values change, of course, because now we have this other being who is here, who we value so deeply and who we take the job of raising them into a balanced individual so seriously because it needs to be taken that way. And things absolutely do fall. And that can mean that for some people, work and career is not a value anymore. Maybe what they are interested in is connecting back to, and this is something that I think shows up for me as well, is connecting back to the kinds of things that brought them joy when they were younger. And I think kids are so incredible for that because they bring us back into that space. Not that dinosaurs and dragons and things like that are my value, but it is a really beautiful thing to be taken back into that young version of ourselves. 
And it can help us change our perspective. And even for me, like I used to do certain type of work as a psychologist and I became a mother and I was like, I can't think of anything worse than going back to that. And I think that when I think about the work that I'm doing now, one of one of my deepest values is all around, is it around integrity, is mm-hmm. around being authentic and is around sharing community, being in community with others. And that just shapes so much of the work that I do now. It shapes how I do my work, the way that I show up as a therapist in my one-on-one, the fact that I do group work, the fact that I you know, run a podcast where I talk to people uh, about their experiences of being mothers, like all of it has to do with it's so fueled by this desire. And then in my private life, it's the same. Like I yeah. spend a lot of energy maintaining relationships and making mm-hmm. sure that I have contact with people in those relationships. So I, I often organize trips away with my girlfriends or lunches or things like that, because that really matters to me. And I love telling my kids about that as well. So when they say things like, why are you going out without us? Can we come with you? And I'm like, no, because it really matters for mum to have special time with her friends because we talk about quality time in our family as special time. And so that's language that we use. It's really important for me to have special time. And so that's something that carries over in a few different parts of my life. Once I'm clear on what my values are. So integrity, authenticity being a really big one, having closeness with my family. And something new that's really shown up for me is also since I've become a mother and is very different is the importance of vulnerability and how I really Mm -hmm. see that as an absolute superpower now. And that is so different. And this is one of those, this is one of those values that I have learned that is, that has, how do I describe it? It's a value that I've taken now that is very different to before because the culture that I've grown up in, which is like a very patriarchal Western type culture, tells me that vulnerability isn't a superpower and that isn't Mm -hmm. something that should be shared. And so that's been a process for me in my experience of being a mother to say, actually, if I stick to that value set from my culture that says that this isn't important, I'm actually really struggling. Like it means I'm struggling. It means I don't get to share the hard parts of my experience. And it means that the joyful parts are less profound as well. And so that's been a really big thing for me. Like I really talk about it as I'm in my soft era and hopefully I stay there for a very long time. And I'm really loving that. And I'm loving learning about who I am in this newfound softness. It's really beautiful. I love that. Mm. And something that I found really helpful for me when I started questioning like my values and my priorities and what I wanted to focus on was almost like role-playing and just more conversation around it. And you're talking about the importance of community and those conversations with your family about that time Mm. with your friends. What are some good conversation starters that a woman could leave this conversation today and just prompt Mm. more of this conversation with her family or her partner to help get clear on what their family priorities are, their personal Mm. goals and values? What are some things that you encourage either with your clients or with your own family to just say, Mm -hmm. hey, is it important to you to do this or to do that? Or what are some things Mm -hmm. when you weigh this that help you figure that out? Yeah. Some of the questions that I often um, encourage mothers to think about around values, especially when we're talking about their mothering, because a lot of the mums that come to me are wanting to get to a place where they feel more confident in showing up as a mother 
in a way that may be different to what's expected of them, that in terms of pressures that are coming from their family or pressures that they just feel because of what they've been conditioned around what it means to be a good mother, for example. And one of the things that I often say to people is when when your children are adults and you're having a conversation with them and they're telling you about what their experience was like being raised by you, what do you want them to say about that? How do you want them Mm -hmm. to remember you? What are the qualities that you want to, that you want to have some sense about that they were instilled by the experiences and the lessons that you taught them? And I think that's going into the future because sometimes also when we're thinking about the here and now, because there's so much like newness about the role or the stage of mothering or life that we may be in, it can feel really difficult and challenging to grasp onto the value system right now. But if we say in the future, if the outcome is that your kids say, my mum was there for me, but also, so one of the ones that's really interesting that mothers always say to me is that they know that I cared for my own needs, like, and they know that I valued myself and that I taught my children to do that too. And that is really profound because that is also what many mothers are not actually doing that. They're actually in a space of self-sacrifice and of martyrdom. And so it's really interesting then that when you ask them what it is that they want their kids to learn through observing them and through their interactions, that one of them is about knowing their own value and knowing how to create boundaries for their own, to meet their own needs. And I think that's just so beautiful when I hear that. And so when we work in it in that way, it means we can work backwards from the from the long future ahead and say, what would it look like today for you to show up more in alignment with that kind of future that you're talking about? What is one thing that you could take up some more space in today? How will you prioritize you? How will you show your child that you matter, not just as their mother, but also as an individual, as a woman? And so I find that really, really powerful. And I also do that in terms of couples as well. So that's a convers- that's a question that a couple can engage in together. If there are mums listening or, or dads or whatever listening right now that you can bring into conversation with your partner and you can say, I, ha- I heard this tip, let's have a think about that. What are the things that you want your our kids to remember about you? And then have that conversation together. And I think that when we do that with other people, actually, it's so much more potent because They jog things in our mind that we may not have thought about for ourselves as well. So I think that's a really powerful thing. Thinking about the future, what it is that you want to see there informs, it tells us about the values that underlie that. And then we can work backwards and say, how does it look like to come up against that? What what does it look like to be living in alignment with that value today? What's one small step? And that's the other thing, right? Like small steps. This is how Things are sustainable when we do things in small doses over a long period of time. That's how we get change. Mm. Yeah. And I love that you cap it with the small steps because as you're talking, I'm thinking of two ways that I've seen people go about this. And even I have where sometimes people book like a date with either their partner or themselves and they make a whole experience out of it of Mm. identifying your family vision and your values and your dreams and all these things. And that's actually really fun and really beautiful if that fits into your time and schedule. But we never want to put it off because that can't work or that doesn't Mm. work with where you're currently at. Because if your partner's not super receptive or 
this is like the first time you've thought about what your values are. Jumping Mm -hmm. into a big day of planning can be so overwhelming. Mm -hmm. So taking just like the small little steps of being like, hey, if I were to pick one value of the month, this is what I think would be fun for me personally. Like, again, starting with you first, like not jumping into your whole family and being like, we are going to embody kindness this month. That's (laughs) great if that works and they're (laughs) on board. But if they're not, if Mm -hmm. they're not just like coming from you first and being like, hey, this month I've been thinking a lot about kindness or what does Mm -hmm. it mean like you said with your other example what does it mean to take care of me first this month I'm focusing on taking care of me first is there anything you guys want to do to take care of yourselves and just like putting the question out there but not being like this is a value and we're gonna (laughs) make sure that we stand behind it because if that's your energy it can feel like that's the right way to be like no we're gonna get on track as a family Mm -hmm. But it it can also be detrimental if you go that route. So I love that you say like small steps of just being like, okay, what would it look like to take care of me today? Mm -hmm. And can I encourage those around me to take care of them too? Or can I just show up for myself and then they'll just be witnesses of how I'm showing up for me? So I think that is so good. Yeah. And I also would say that when you talk about that it can be detrimental if we go too hard on it is also just one of the things that we need to always be keeping in mind in life in general, but especially I think in this mothering space or parenting space is the concept of flexibility. Like we really, we need to be flexible so we can have our values and what is going to happen because we're human is that we're going to sometimes not be in alignment with those values. And I think that compassion is so important at those times as well, understanding that we're human, that we make mistakes, that we can, tomorrow we can try harder at getting in line with that value around our parenting. Maybe we responded in a way that we didn't like or whatever. So I think as you're saying, not being so rigid about how we go about this process is important because with anything in life, when you go too hard, like too much of anything ain't a good thing, right? Right. So just making sure that we have enough flexibility there to allow self-compassion to come through when we maybe fall short of being in alignment with those values or when our children do, because that's the other one, right? Like we may have our plan and our kids have their (laughs) own plan. Having that flexibility in there to allow a bit of a buffer for that. Mm. Yeah. And this has been such good conversation, so many points. And we all know that life in general and then adding motherhood and being a woman all is a layer onto that. The mental Mm -hmm. load is really heavy. So for the woman that's listening and she's like, gosh, just prompted so many things in my brain and I have so many things I want to implement for myself and my family. What is one thing they could do today? You're talking about how even Mm -hmm. the women in your community want this one step, but maybe it's not to remove yourself from a problem, but just to get more clear on what is next for you as a woman or how to step into those thoughts a little bit more, get more clarity Mm -hmm. What is one exercise, maybe it's a Mm -hmm. journal prompt or one thing they could do today? Yeah. Look, I think the one thing that that many women need to do more of is actually just get present with Mm -hmm. their moment-to-moment experience. And, And that could be in terms of on a spiritual level, it could be in terms of a somatic level, so what's happening in their body, and it could be on terms of a mental level in terms of what is the thinking that is happening right now. I think that for mothers in particular, we are so focused and understandably so on meeting the needs of other people. And some of that is because the need is truly there. And some of it is to do with the expectations that we have of ourselves. 
And what does happen is we lose track of what our own needs are. And I think that when we're talking about goal setting, these maybe a loftier goals for the future, I think it's harder to do that when you don't even know what your own needs are moment to moment. And so my biggest point for women in terms of reclaiming some space for themselves or getting to know more about who they are in this very moment right now is about just taking opportunities to check in with ourselves throughout the day. And it sounds so simple, but it makes a huge difference. I remember for myself when I really was trying to make a habit out of this, I actually set an alarm in my phone a couple of times a day where it just said body check-in. And I still have some wow. fo- some um, alarms going off. One of them is about drinking water because it's my ongoing challenge. And yeah. the other one is my breath practice. So I have reminders that go off throughout the day around breath practice as well. But the body check-in is a big one. So that is like where we just, maybe it's first thing in the morning, midday and in the afternoon or evening where we take a moment, take a breath and just tune, just go inward and say, what am I feeling right now in this moment? So that could be in my feelings, like what name those feelings in your body. Is there a sensation that you notice? So I remember in the early days when I used to do this, it was like, I haven't been to the toilet all day. Like just really basic stuff like that. Or I didn't eat lunch today. And yeah. we just, it's just, it's simple stuff like that. And it's like, on a, this is the small minute level that I'm talking about that we need to take steps. So taking those opportunities to connect with your body. What do I need right now? What is the feeling I have? What's the, the inner dialogue that's happening right now? Is there right. a part that is really standing out in, inside me right now that needs attention, right? If we take opportunity to do that throughout our day, it's going to make it easier to be easier rather to be in alignment with our values. It's going to be easier to show up as a mother in the capacity that we want to, and we're going to be better partners. But of, most importantly, we're going to be more aligned with ourselves and what we need on a moment-to-moment basis. So I call those body check-ins, I think lots of people probably talk about it in that way. So I would love to offer people who are listening the the opportunity to start to implement something like that is so simple in their lives. And it's yeah. really just a, it's a reflective process, right? It's, it's like journaling, but on the run. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, what is it that's happening for you right now? And then if you want to extend that practice, you can take to journaling, which I think is so profound, like the stuff that comes out. And it's not necessarily, I don't have a particular prompt, although you could follow that same lead of those body check-ins, which is what is present for me right now and just write freely on that and allow all the emotions to come out. If it's anger, with that anger, say whatever you need to say and get it all out. So that's, that's my process. That's the beginning point for me, I think, if people are looking for a place to start. That's where I'd send them. Yeah, and so good because all you need is yourself, right? Mm-hmm. You don't need anything else. But I do love setting the timer so that you can hold yourself accountable. Yeah, I have one last question for you, Yara. Be- before we do that, can you please tell me where everyone can find you, the best places for people to connect with you and get into your world? Yeah, definitely. You can find me on Instagram and my handle is Life After Birth Psychology. And then I also have a website, which is lifeafterbirth.com.au. And I also do have a podcast, which is Life After Birth with Yara. So you can find me at all those places. I'm quite active over on social media and I love connecting with the community there. So if you ever want to reach out, then go ahead. I love that. Yeah. Amazing. And really bringing us full circle, we are talking about the ever-evolving identities. And I'd love to know just what is exciting this version of you and what is a goal Mm -hmm. that you're currently working on, something that you're pursuing that 
whether it's your current identity or the next one coming, that you're just Mm. like really eager to get going. Yeah. I think what we talked about before, what's really exciting me is this next phase of my business because next year, obviously, my daughter will be in full-time school and that is going to be such a game changer for me around the capacity that I have for holding space for clients. But also, I am really loving over the last two years the group work that I have started to do. So that's both in the in my coaching program. I also run mentorship a group for therapists as well. And coming soon will be a membership, which is for mothers, but is is a bit different to other memberships. It's I'm trying to create a space where it's like an online gathering space, like a women's circle, but online, and it just goes on throughout the year. And it's just a space for people to have those things that are so important to me, which is connection and community and a space to let out whatever they need to let out. And so I'm really excited about what that is going to look like for next year. I'm excited how my working schedule is going to look next year. But at the same time, I'm tempering that with, I don't need to jump into all the things straight away. I get to give myself that grace of having some flow into that and allowing that to develop organically. But yeah, it's exciting. I can't wait for for seeing what's ahead. Awesome. Thank you so much, Yara, for being here. I can't wait for everyone to dive into more with your podcast. And before you jump off of listening, as soon as we end this, if you're listening in right now, I just want you to hear what Yara said and take a moment right after this ends to do a body check-in. How are you feeling? How are things going? So I'm going to leave you guys with that. And we will chat soon. You, your story, and what you have to offer this world fills me up. I want to meet you. Join me on Instagram at this is Kelsey Smith, and let's create a ripple effect for mamas with goals. Together is better.